Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is October 11th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block. We're going to jump over to chapter three and we're going to read a verse that is going to sound really weird that I chose this verse and it kind of is, except (laughs) this verse made me think about something that I've been pondering a lot lately and I got to thinking about it a lot today as I read this verse and was thinking about what to say. So chapter three, verse two says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Now, again, (laughs) I very much recognize that that sounds really, really weird. But remember, when we started the book of Philippians this week, I told you that one of the themes that we were going to see, or one of the reasons why Paul was writing the Philippians was to warn them of the Judaizers, right? The people who said that they were converted to Christianity, but still believed that salvation came through the law of Moses. And they were talking to these Gentile converts and making them feel bad and guilty for not being circumcised. And that is what Paul is warning the people of here. He says, beware of the dogs, which can we just keep in mind that to call someone a dog now is an insult, right? Yeah, okay, I get it. But to call someone a dog back then was like next level because we like dogs in our society. We like dogs. They're lovable. They're fun pets. We keep them around. Dogs were seen as good for nothing in this day. And so for him to call the Judaizers dogs and evil workers, that is really strong language. He is very much speaking out against these people who are saying that the law of Moses leads to salvation. In fact, when he says, beware of the concision, that's a abbreviation for circumcision. So he's saying, beware of these people and they're preaching circumcision. Now, I know I've said this before, probably every single week since Corinthians, but there was nothing inherently wrong in and of itself with the law of Moses. If you'll remember, the law of Moses was given to the children of Israel for the purpose of reminding them of the Savior. It was external things that could point them internally to Christ. And that's what the law of Moses was supposed to be doing. The issue here with these Judaizers is they had removed Christ from the equation. They claimed themselves to be Christians. They claimed themselves to believe in Christ and to be converted in Christ, but they weren't converted to the fact that he saved. They still believed that the law of Moses saved And so here you have these people preaching outward things. And again, there's not necessarily anything wrong with outward things. A lot of our covenants, a lot of our ordinances are outward things to represent inward covenants, right? Baptism is an outward symbol. Taking the sacrament is an outward symbol. There's nothing wrong with those things. However, the issue with these Judaizers is it was only about the outward It was about the show. It was about the sign. And it wasn't about what the things were supposed to represent. Otherwise, they would have more readily accepted Jesus Christ. So as I was thinking about this today, it made me think, in what ways am I sometimes guilty of the same thing? Do we sometimes find ourselves guilty of doing X, Y, and Z on the outside, doing everything right to be seen without it meaning anything to us on the inside? Do we get so used to taking that sacrament that that's an outward sign that we do every single week, but we forget why we're doing it or we lose sight of the Savior in it? And it made me realize that we have to 
learn how to allow the gospel to sink deeply within us so that the things that we do aren't just a checklist of duties or obligations, but that the things we do, we do because we are deeply converted to Jesus Christ and his gospel. That is the key. But what's interesting is oftentimes the things that we do can aid in that conversion. Conversion happens not only as we believe the gospel, but as we learn to live the gospel. Listen to what Sister Oscarson said. She said, true conversion occurs as you continue to act upon the doctrines you know are true and keep the commandments day after day, month after month. My friends, the things that we do can lead to a deep conversion within our souls, but they don't always necessarily lead to a deep conversion in our souls. Just like the circumcision or the law of Moses didn't necessarily lead to a deep conversion of Christ for the Judaizers. The key is what's our focus in our actions. As we continue to keep the doctrines that we know are true, as we continue to keep the commandments, what is our focus? It's my testimony that action leads to conversion only as we act with an eye single to the glory of God and an eye single to Jesus Christ. As we do the things that we do with a focus on him, all of a sudden it allows the things that we do to change our hearts and to convert our souls. And my friends, we desperately need that conversion. Going through the motions, checking off a checklist will not be enough in the days ahead. Listen to what Elder Bednar said. He said, testimony alone is not and will not be enough to protect us in the latter-day storm of darkness and evil in which we are living. Testimony is important and necessary, but not sufficient to provide the spiritual strength and protection we need. Knowing that the gospel is true is the essence of a testimony. Consistently being true to the gospel is the essence of conversion. We should know the gospel is true and be true to the gospel. So that is our challenge in the latter days. That is our challenge to gain a testimony of the gospel, yes, but then to live the gospel with an eye single to the glory of God so that those actions that we're taking, so that that life that we're living is leading to a change in our hearts. So that little by little, piece by piece, act by act, we are changing and becoming more like Christ. Continuing on in verse 7 of chapter 3, Paul says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So essentially, Paul is saying anything that I've lost, and keep in mind the years that he spent in prison, he knows loss here. But he's saying, anything that I've lost, anything that's happened to me, I was fine losing because I got to gain knowledge and insight and testimony and a relationship with Christ. Several years ago, Elder Faust told a story that President McKay told. So I know that's kind of confusing, but it'll make sense as Elder Faust tells this story. He says, speaking of the Martin Hancock Company, Many of these early converts had immigrated from Europe and were too poor to buy oxen or horses and a wagon. They were forced by their poverty to pull handcarts, 
President McKay related an occurrence which took place some years after the heroic exodus. A teacher conducting a class said it was unwise to ever attempt even to permit the Martin Handcart Company to come across the plains under such conditions. Some sharp criticism of the church and its leaders was being indulged in. An old man in the corner sat silent and listened as long as he could stand it. Then he arose and said things that no person who heard him will ever forget. I ask you to stop this criticism. You are discussing a matter you know nothing about. But I was in that company, and my wife was in it. We suffered beyond anything you can imagine, and many died of exposure and starvation. But did you ever hear a survivor of that company utter a word of criticism? I have pulled my handcart when I was so weak and weary from illness and lack of food that I could hardly put one foot in front of the other. I have looked ahead and seen a patch of sand or a hill slope, and I have said, I can only go that far. There I must stop, for I cannot pull the load through it. He continues, I have gone on to that sand, and when I reached it, the cart began pushing me. I have looked back many times to see who was pushing my cart, but my eyes saw no one. I knew then that the angels of God were there. Was I sorry that I chose to come by handcart? No. Neither then, nor any minute of my life since. The price we paid to become acquainted with God was a privilege to pay, and I am thankful that I was privileged to come in the Martin Handcart Company. My friends, the price that we will be asked to pay for conversion to Christ, for a relationship with Christ, for knowledge of Christ, most likely won't be anything near the severity of the Martin Handcart Company. We're asked to spend time in our scriptures, time on our knees in sincere prayer, more time pondering and reflecting, more time in the temples. We're asked to spend our time and to give of our time to come to know Christ in new ways. But my friends, anything that we're asked to do, any price that we're asked to pay is a price that we should be grateful to pay, knowing that any loss that we experience is nothing compared to what we gain in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 